0: Report Red ten standing by. Red seven standing by. Red
1: three standing by. Red six standing by. Red nine standing
2: by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon, Cannon, Cannon. Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source it it for it entertainment for reviews from a galaxy far, far, far away. This
1: is it. laser <laughs> Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, William, today. We're also joined by Sean Keen from the New York Daily News. Sean, welcome back to the show.
2: Hello, and thank you for having me again.
0: Of course. Yeah. Always fun having you on. Looking forward to reviewing this uh, this book. Tom, uh, Stephen, you want to tell us a bit more?
1: Well, so before we get into announcements or anything like that, we have some very sad news today. Our friend Tom is just not going to be here today. Uh <laughs> That's that was a much that was a much more grim opening than I was trying to have it be. Uh no, but Tom, he was on his way and uh some Gungan circus performer stopped him and they, you know, caught up. And Tom being that gentleman gentlemanly fellow, you know, of kind of that like older era type of thing. Um not that I'm calling Tom old. I mean he is, I mean, but there's nothing to do but... with that. No no, I I'm not saying it directly. I mean you said it directly. I'm not denying it. Uh anyway, the point is uh tom was helping this
0: bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger uh
1: so tom's not going to be here today he's helping the gungan move and uh he'll be back uh next time when we record our review of double agent droid which you can hear more about at the very end of this episode in i don't know i'm gonna say an hour maybe an hour and a half maybe half an hour i don't know i don't know what this review is gonna be like um (laughs) william please save me (laughs)
0: <laughs> this is great. This is like the most uh, rambling, uh, fantastic intro ever. Um, Don't save him.
1: <laughs>
0: no, no. So, uh, yeah, Steven, you want to tell us uh, what other announcements have been going on? Since uh, you're doing such a great job, we'll let you keep uh, fine. Keep running with this. <laughs> I'll be fine.
1: Why not? Uh, so, we got an announcement from Reed, uh, who runs Celebration this week. And the short of it is that Star Wars Celebration will be returning in 2019. There will be no 2018 Celebration um, I know in the past they've you know they've kind of swip, swop, flip, swip flopped. Can you please just someone, <laughs> anyone? <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no, they, you're, you're actually doing a great job,
0: Steven. in I'm Previous just, years is what I'm trying yes, to say. Exactly, exactly. Um, <clears throat> now in uh, so yeah, no, no, no celebration 2018. Um, which I was surprised by. Initially thought I thought, well, maybe they just mean no U.S. celebration in 2019, but they'll uh, 2018, but they'll still do one internationally. But I don't know. I'm hearing now that maybe there won't be any at all. It is, it is, you know, their statement is accurate, and they're not just like, you know, phrasing it in in a particular way. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think I. They, we used to get them every three years and then every two years and then lately they've been every year, which is fun. But it's also very expensive for a lot of people to make to make all the celebrations. Oh, yeah. So spacing them out will, will probably help with that somewhat. Um, you know, it also could be because right now uh, the Han Solo movie is scheduled for May of next year. And which is just five minutes after the last Jedi, so it would be you know the celebration would either be right before or after the Han Solo movie, and maybe they just decided that that didn't work very well for them um,
1: well, Rose, Sean, like I know you... celeb- uh-huh. sorry go ahead
0: well, so Sean, I know I know you're not in the uh you're you're not here in the u s um how do you feel about not having an international
2: celebration? I suspect that the next one we get will be international, but that's just rampant speculation. Um, one way or another, that's it's true. Very, I mean, I, very I, expensive.
0: Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. uh, like actually, you bring travel. up a good
0: point. Yeah. Um, technically, they didn't say it'll be a U.S. celebration in 2019, so it could be an international one mm. in two years. But yeah, sorry, you're, you're saying it's expensive to travel?
2: Yeah, and and does but it's also it must be very expensive to run, and I suspect that they. They had them in mean, quick succession the last few years to prime people for The Force Awakens and Rogue One and the Star Wars rebirth in the mainstream consciousness. Uh, and now it's there and they don't necessarily need to, to push so hard anymore.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. They can kind of take their feet, foot off the gas a bit, uh, for, for, someone, for lack of a better word.
2: Hopefully not creatively, uh, but commercially exactly yeah exactly that
1: makes
0: sense so i don't know yeah i I, at least it'll give some people time to prepare we don't know where it's going to be yet we don't know when in 2019 it's going to be but we just know that it will be in um in in 2019 so it seems like there's a a lot of uh, a lot of stuff taking 2018 off but uh, or, or a year off but it'll be back it'll be back very soon so um With that, uh, I think we can dive into our review. Steven, what are we talking about today? Because I just want to keep throwing this to you.
1: Yeah, of course. (laughs) It's fine. What else is new? Uh, So today we're talking about Aftermath, Empire's End. It is the third and final book of the Aftermath trilogy set after episode six. It is written by Chuck Wendig, who, of course, authored all three novels. The synopsis, and I'm going to read the whole thing just because... Uh, It's a long one. (laughs) It is a long one. As the final showdown between the New Republic and the Empire draws near, all eyes turn to a once isolated planet, Jakku. The Battle of Endor shattered the Empire, scattering its remaining forces across the galaxy. But the months following the Rebellion's victory have not been easy. The fledging New Republic has suffered a devastating attack from the Imperial Remnant, forcing the new democracy to escalate their hunt for the hidden enemy. For her role in the deadly ambush, Grand Admiral Ray Sloan is the most wanted Imperial war criminal, and one time rebel pilot Nora Wexley, back in service at Leia's urgent request, is leading the hunt. But more than just loyalty to the New Republic drives Nora forward. Her husband was turned into a murderous pawn in Sloan's assassination plot, and now she wants vengeance as much as justice. But Sloane, too, is on a furious quest, pursuing the treacherous Gallius Rax to the barren planet Jakku. As the true mastermind behind the Empire's devastating attack, Rax has led the Empire to its defining moment. The cutting strategist has gathered the powerful remnants of the Empire's war machine, preparing to execute the late Emperor Palpatine's final plan. As the Imperial fleet orbits Jakku, an armada of New Republic fighters close close in to finish what began at endor nora and her crew soar into the heart of an apocalyptic clash that will leave land and sky alike scorched and the future of the galaxy will be decided there william
2: (laughs) i'm sorry i missed that could you repeat all that yeah
1: (laughs) uh so some stuff happened (laughs) that's
0: all i got well done so uh yeah, this this is the the final final book in the aftermath trilogy, which has been somewhat controversial. Um, but uh, I I think this was my probably my favorite of the of the trilogy. Um, I have to I have to admit though, the my absolute favorite part of Empire's End though was not part of the story itself. It was the dedication at the very beginning, where Windig writes to Luke S wherever you are as soon as i saw that i just started laughing i couldn't contain myself how how hilarious that is uh do you think everybody got the reference i hope they did
1: i'm sure that everyone did
0: the bigger question is do you think people actually saw the dedication because i think right when the book came out we wanted to allow everybody time to read the book before we posted our review right when the book came out i I tweeted that and i got a number of people saying wait what where, where, where did you write this? And people, I mean, as people just maybe skip the dedication a lot. Um, I know it's pretty common, to, but I like, love that little
1: title pieces.
0: Yeah, but I love that that little inside joke. You know, where instead of dedicate it to someone real, he dedicated it to Luke Skywalker himself, who, as hey, we wait, know during this time, you is off.
1: you don't know that he could have a friend named like luke spark i don't know that was the first s word that came into mind that's not spark. skywalker <laughs> luke spark who is uh i don't know you know maybe he went on some world travels and he hasn't heard from him in a while how do you know i think it's very presumptuous you assume that's luke skywalker
2: mm, a fair point poor, poor luke spark yeah <laughs> he's, he's luke spark.
1: That. <laughs> there, yes that it probably is
0: uh luke oh luke spark yeah He's uh Steven you you're on fire.
1: I mean you realize it's uh it's actually Lucas, right? Like oh, it's Lucas Lucas. Short. Lucas yeah. Spark.
0: No, no that's just Luke S like George Lucas. where's George Lucas?
1: Oh, that's true. Have we have
0: we seen him recently? Uh, There's I a conspiracy. Haven't. To Lucas Ooh. wherever you are.
1: Maybe this is part of his uh con- contingency plan. <laughs> 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 anyway
0: uh any yeah um the book starts though actually with a flashback to right before or or during uh return of the jedi right and i thought this was interesting apparently while shuttle tideerium was arriving on endor um palpatine actually met with gallius rax on the death star and which i mean i guess makes sense but it's one of those little things that you you don't normally think about right this is this character in this book was meeting with the emperor during a scene we've we we already know of in the films Mm -hmm. uh and uh Uh,
1: so uh, there's a lot to say on the book i will say one of the things i did like is i i enjoyed how Gallius was tied into palpatine um you know this the whole idea of the I don't want to say the whole idea of the contingency plan, but the idea that Palpatine had a contingency plan and that Gallius kind of was that person, I thought worked very well in the novel. Hmm.
0: I I uh, totally agree with you there. Um, and we get some nice, you know, so so we find out that yeah, as you said, Rax is this contingency plan, and what exactly the contingency plan is is kind of um, it's, it's kind of doled for most of out. The book. What, sorry.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say it was nebulous for most of the book. So, mm-hmm.
0: and it really wasn't until the end that we kind of start to find out exactly what this contingency plan is. And um, it's, I mean, it it is it is interesting, right? I guess Palpatine, he didn't want to, you know, should something happen to him, he basically wanted to destroy the Empire completely rather than let it become a, a shadow of what it is. Um, which it's, is, yeah. There's some
1: maybe interesting parallels with the Star Wars expanded universe as a whole here. <laughs> was, there okay. was a part of like, I wonder if there is a deeper message here. I like, maybe they'd rather destroy the expanded universe than see it become a shell of its former self. <laughs> oh, I was like, hmm, interesting. Um, oh man. Um, I, I, but no, but in so in seriousness, I don't know how I feel about this idea that Palp, like, obviously Palpatine was a very vengeful person, Uh but it seemed, I almost want to say, short sighted for him to just be like, nah, if I can't rule it, no one can. Like, I, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. And and, and and maybe that's better than the Palpatine we got in the old expanded universe, which, you know, like, ah, I'll just resurrect myself a hundred times and then I'll never die. Right. Um, But it was just, it, I don't know. It felt. I don't know. I guess yeah. I it closed off a lot of stories that I felt like could have been told, I guess. Is a better way of saying it.
0: Interesting. Are are, are you talking about the the result of the contingency the result or the, of the idea? Right? Oh, I see. Okay.
1: Yeah, so I Yes.
0: Yeah, cuz I think there is there's there's two things to separate. There's the idea that uh I like the idea that Palpatine planned for, you know, he, he knew something could happen to him. And in that case, he decided that you know the empire the empire cannot survive without its emperor right and he there's actually they they use an analogy to dejeric or chess right or um, an earlier version of Dejeric, where palpatine teaches gallius how to play this game and you know if the if the the king is taken down the entire game is lost right uh and and so the the lesson have
1: we heard about chess in star wars before
0: um, no, but it was, this was dejeric in this case, right? I don't think they ever mentioned the word no,
1: chess? No, he specifically, uh, so there, at the end of the book, when Galleus is kind of talking about it, he's like, "Yes, yeah, so there's, the game is called, like, Shal Tzeze, or something like that, I don't remember the exact name, uh-huh. and it, it is the older form of games like Djeric, and something else I don't remember the name of, and chess, and he specifically called it chess.
0: Really? I wonder if that's for the readers who don't understand what Djeric is? Uh...
1: Oh, that, I guess that could make sense. I think I like you that know, more than the idea that chess is actually meant to be a real thing in the Star Wars universe. I mean, I
0: think the result is that, yes, chess is a real thing in the Star Wars universe now. Uh, yeah, um, but... I,
1: but it was used I, more
0: as a way of introducing
1: what... My concern is... It's This is like the hot chocolate debate again. Like, mm-hmm. how close is Star Wars to our universe? And in general, it's supposed to be something that's, you know, completely separate. Right. And And yet, like... Anyway. And, and,
0: and yet I also get you don't want to go too far down. And I think sometimes the expanded universe did this as well, oh, yeah. right? Or you can Without go too doubt. far down the rabbit hole where you're reading a book and everything's gibberish, right? Um I think they they didn't go the old EU didn't always wasn't always too bad, but there were cases like as much as I like the the term transparisteel, it, it sounds cool. Um if you if you don't know Star Wars, like okay i guess it's transparent steel, okay, so it's like a glass type thing uh, and you can figure it out uh if everything you're reading is like you know is 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 new words to uh replace yeah. existing ones just so that it feels more star warsy um i uh i I can see how that would be really hard and inaccessible for uh, for for readers or or people yeah. new to the Star Wars galaxy, it will be alienating. Yeah, totally. And the, actually, the next episode of Rebels, which we'll review uh, tomorrow, does bring back one of these terms. Um, I, I was actually kind of excited about it, but um, but so yeah, you know, maybe, maybe that's why you know sometimes they have to bring in certain th- things. Um, I agree though. You know, is hot chocolate a step too far? Um, you know, or or chess, right? Maybe like games should not be or g- games or like brands should not be here, but I don't know. Elements and basic Options objects should. There. I don't. I don't know where yeah. we draw that line. Um. Yep. But anyway, the the lesson though with this this chess game is that the empire cannot survive without its emperor, and it doesn't deserve to even survive so um so so that's why gallius or Galli, as we find his his name uh is um is this is this uh this contingency plan uh mm-hmm. and, and palpatine actually sends gallius to the observatory on Jakku in order to um to kind of protect him for the contingency uh since we're on this topic, any thoughts on the the observatories, Sean?
2: It was. Oh, oh sorry, go staying. ahead, Sean. It, no, it's,
1: no, it's okay. You, uh, you... No, no, no. I I've been talking a lot more, so <laughs> I'll let you take a crack at it to start.
2: I am struggling to remember what the observatories are. Um, so so for, actually, oh, no, they were for they were for looking outside the into the unknown regions, weren't they? Uh,
0: yeah. You know what? that's the. <laughs> i think actually that that's the one problem with them um they were everything they are everything and they're nothing they were not super clear right the the one on jakku um was designed for uh it, it had a bunch of supercomputers to i guess based on an ancient civilization um i don't know if it's the rakata or something else to uh to plot a map of the unknown regions, uh, a journey of sorts with the help of probes. Um, So it's an interesting concept, but it was also very vague.
1: Yeah. It was like, this is where if you like, we go back a couple months and we talk about where we thought things were going. I remember being convinced that star Wars was going to be doing this big thing with, uh, temples in the future because, you know, rebels kept talking about Jedi temples and Sith temples and so on. Um, and now, so like, now I'm kind of skeptical because I don't feel like that ever really delivered in a way. Um, but well, I think like, they still uh, are. Uh, potentially, yeah. That's true. I think that's I, gonna I, be I will story. be hopeful. That's true.
2: Well, we, uh, well, but I, I think...
1: feel like. Sorry, go ahead.
2: Uh, if I thought at the end of life death that this was going to be some kind of Sith temple um and it didn't really pan out like that it was more technological Mm -hmm. right
0: it was yeah
1: um but yeah so i wonder if we're gonna get more stories about you know the various observatories that exist in the galaxy or i wonder if you know that's just not uh not a story they're really interested in telling or well, if it'll odd. just be left open for comics or something like that, potentially.
0: But what's also weird is, like, this is the top secret base, effectively, buried below the surface of Jakku. And it's just for scouting the galaxy and plotting a map. I, I don't oh. feel like it fully delivered on the on the, the, mystery. the promise of it, right? So in a, at the very end of the book, we learn that these observatories... So again, they're they're for this contingency plan or part of the contingency plan, um, and they are uh, so they're, they're 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 plotting a map of the unknown regions with the help of probes because Palpatine decided he wanted to rule not just the known galaxy but the unexplored infinity as well, which kind of shows uh, the 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 reach that Palpatine wanted. Uh, in fact, we get a nice Thrawn reference. We we learn that Thrawn knew about he he knew the unknown regions, right? Which is, mm-hmm. uh, w- w- you know, which we knew previously in in Legends, uh, and that's why Palpatine decided to keep him around. Uh, and that a lot of most of or much of Thrawn's knowledge actually was put into these these supercomputers, these machines to help compute the the maps.
1: This makes me super interested to see what the Thrawn novel is going to be. Yeah. This is- the old expanded universe told, had a story and it was, you know, in some ways it was done in, in, uh, it was not forward thinking. It was, uh, backwards thinking, but this idea that the reason Palpatine built up the empire in the way he did, and all, you know, I mean, other than the fact that he was a Sith Lord, but there was this idea that Palpatine knew that the Yuz and Vong were coming and that he wanted to prepare the galaxy. And Thrawn was an element of this in helping to prepare the galaxy as well. Um, and it's, this is very reminiscent of that which makes me very curious to see what the uh what the end goal is here like why did palpatine want to go outside the galaxy in the first place like what was his what purpose was he trying to accomplish was it just Mm. to conquer because that's kind of boring i'm i'm hoping there's more to it than just that
2: or maybe he sent snoke out there Uh, that was my thought throughout this Um, that
0: was mine too
2: it's yeah, Snoke maybe if
1: I'm. It's very interesting because so some... I honestly
0: think, like, I think they they sent. Well, as as we as we get into the end of the book, right? They they actually say that they they do go out into the the unknown regions. Well, it's where the first right? order is founded, which right. we knew that's the... kind
1: of from Force Awakens.
0: Yep, and so I do think that ties into Snoke and the rest of the first order, whether whether Snoke is from the unknown regions or you know or, or something else is 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 unknown but
1: let me ask you i'm going to jump again to the end of the book again um so ray sloan goes through a, a number of different kind of events in the novel um it ends though with her taking gallus's place as the head of the contingency um and you know her final line let me find because we have it written down here it's at the very bottom um She has her final line where, you know, it's time to start over. That is our first order to begin again and to get it right this time. Um, And we, you know, I think one of the things we learn in this novel is Ray Sloan. uh, She's not evil in the way that Palpatine or even maybe Rax is. Uh, She, you know, believes in an empire that is strong and, you know, the the rule of order and law. Um, We kind of see that in the first order in The Force Awakens, and that's very militant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I have trouble connecting the end of aftermath with the beginning of the force awakens or even bloodlines where we, the first order kind of shows up and like, I have trouble imagining Slo- really? uh, Sloan giving way to Snoke in any way. Cause the implication from, I got from the force awakens, was that Snoke was the leader of the first order.
0: Well, but, I mean, Sloan Snoke both start with an S. Uh, Maybe she is a... Slo- Sloan Snoke <laughs> Sloan.
1: Maybe you know what? I'm, I'm not kidding. even gonna say no. Maybe. <laughs> uh, but it, it's, it's interesting as well. Like I'm just, I yeah, no, totally. I'm left is... wanting to know what the what the intended connection is.
0: And honestly, I think this—I think this—this this thread right here sets up so much for what's going to happen in the future of Star Wars. Oh, sorry. Um, I, I and and so I'm very curious to see where they take this and, and what happens, right? Because. Uh, another thing, some of the other things we find out is that the computers in the Jakku Observatory finished their calculations before Palpatine died and he was convinced that something lay out there, some origin of the force, a dark presence or malevolent substance that only he could hear uh, called the signal. Um, which is really, really interesting, right? Uh, of course, people read that and instantly thought, you, Jean Vong.
2: Now, I don't know oh, if they're so going to go with the Vong.
1: I did not read using Vong in that out of that. That I, I, think, I assumed it was Snoke. Yeah, yeah, that to me reads like Snoke.
0: See, I, I agree. I agree, but as soon as the book came out, there was a lot of articles right away.
1: Oh, they're bringing the Yujan Vong back. I mean, I... I would be very happy with that. The Yuzin Vong was like my childhood and growing up. So I would be more than happy to have that kind of returned into the Star Wars canon. I just don't think it's very likely.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, But it is an interesting concept. I do think it's probably, you know, uh, probably Snoke. Um, We also, you know, again, Rax decides to take this small group out into the unknown regions and reform the empire. Um, but Yub Tashu, one of Palpatine's advisors, uh, lies and, and I have to wonder how much, how much do, does he think, how much does he believe this and, and how much of it is a lie, right? Um, because he says, uh, Tashu seems to tell, tells Rax that Palpatine lives on and that they will find him out there in the dark. Everything has been arranged itself as our master foretold and all things toward the great design, the sacrifices have been made um now again she was li- lying here
1: right? i 100% but, but, read but, that as like a nod to the old expanded universe with you know yeah like palpatine clones
0: yeah me too because because rax even says the mantle of the dark size yours to wear for a time at least we can at least until we can find the find palpatine and, and revive uh, rebify him bringing his soul back to flesh anew um
1: yeah totally legends there and, uh, and I would say not in a good way <laughs> that was, yeah but the yeah. point is though that you know there's it was interesting.
0: yeah know. the uh, we also found out that one of the emperor's pleasure yachts, the Imperialis is is located in this observatory um, and that the other observatories you know have each have a unique purpose. Some house ancient Seth artifacts. Some host powerful weapons or designs for weapons. Some uh, imprison or harness life forces. Um, And, uh, you know, these were established all over the galaxy before even the rise of the Empire by Palpatine. So it's a very interesting concept, and I I have a feeling we're going to learn a lot more. I hope we learn a lot more. I would assume so. Yeah, there's great
2: storytelling potential in those. I mean, because there's no limit to how many they can use. Right, and this is
0: just like the very tip of the iceberg, right? Uh, they didn't really go into too much detail. So, I don't know. I, I'm excited. Um, I wish we had gotten a bit more about the observatory and the contingency plan. Uh, I feel like we just got the, the, the tiniest of glimpses, in. and even once they go inside the observatory uh, in Aftermath, there's not a whole lot that happens. It's like just basically a big pit with some computers and, and that's about it.
1: It, You know, Sloan builds it up kind of throughout the book about how, you know, uh, we don't, you know, maybe it's the empire's latest weapon. uh, You know, who knows what could be in there. And it, (laughs) what was in there was the plot device, which takes us to episode seven. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I was, well, was I was hoping for something a
2: little bit different. I was expecting uh, an old uh, legend style super weapon of some kind which kind of would have annoyed me uh, because <laughs> I thought we left all that behind.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh and it was just they basically it was about blowing up the planet.
1: Well, but you have to remember they did say that there are other observatories that may house secret weapons. So we I may guess. get our uh you know our i don't know star what crusher in thank one thank <laughs> you we may get our star crusher or our or Eye the of, palpatine. of palpatine
2: yes or yeah. jack saber
1: well, i don't know if they can use the word dark saber anymore but True. yeah exactly
0: okay cuz we've already seen that somewhere else yeah uh, we we did get some references to other parts of the uh well the legends uh which was which was kind of fun. So in the in the very beginning, when when Palpatine is talking to to Gallius Rax, and um, uh, and he's telling him about the the contingency, right? He, he tells Rax that he must be ready to become the outcast. Which, if you'll remember, is the name of the main character in the Republic. Kotar Two. 2. Um,
1: Interesting. I did not make that connection at all.
0: Yeah, and and so I, I you know, again it's a it's a minor thing, but he calls him the outcast multiple times in this uh in, in the novel. Um which is interesting. I don't know if that's just because like he's basically off by himself, he's not part of the galaxy, right? He's 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 ready to to initiate the contingency uh at, at Palpatine's command. Um but uh, it's very interesting concept i feel like this book drops a lot of fascinating seeds um for the future of star wars Um, Mm -hmm. but it 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 never really delivers on anything and i think that was probably my biggest problem it it doesn't quite deliver on anything but it drops a lot of hints and and potential for the future Um, another fun reference was also during that scene where palpatine says he senses a shatterpoint uh which is a reference to um uh, Mace Windu and shatterpoints uh, in the novel Shatterpoint and well, yeah, that became it was a fairly big thing in Star Wars outside of that as well but yeah 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 I yeah. you know, it was referenced multiple times in the later expanded universe as well with yeah. uh Jason and everything um so that it, it was kind uh, of was fun to nice see touch. these little terms just suddenly appear uh after after so long
2: it makes sense it's all there just to be mined again at the right moment mm-hmm. That's so a very, bef- very good way to describe it yeah
0: so before we jump into the the main story itself um i think some of the everyone's favorite m- parts of the aftermath uh trilogy have been the interludes um so let's 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 start with those how does it sound uh sure so, in the first interlude, we see the return of Lumpy the Ewok, Chewie's son, Lumpy. You uh, not?
1: Hang on. Wait, 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 William. What? Do you want to rethink what you just said?
0: <laughs> the return of Lumpy... Oh, sorry. Lumpy the Ewok. Uh, Yeah. So, Chewie, no. if you didn't know, is a giant <laughs> Ewok.
1: Um,
0: and, I was going to uh, say... Uh... <laughs> Why did I say Ewok? I totally meant Lumpy the Wookiee. Um, yes. and, uh, Ewoks, Wookiees are basically the same thing, but just, you know, a oh, larger yeah. version, right? <laughs> I mean,
1: obviously.
0: Ewoks are, 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 mini many, are mini Wookiees. Um,
1: was, I'm trying to remember, was Lumpy a Jedi in the old expanded universe or I, who was the, no, Wookiee that, that was,
0: uh, the, uh oh. shoot, what was his name? It's been forever.
1: I know. Uh,
0: it wasn't. Uh it was he 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 hung with Jason and Jaina. Yep. Um Wookie Jedi. Um
2: <laughs> Oh I feel like it's right at the tip of my tongue.
0: And I, I mean there's Gunji, who we saw in the Clone Wars. Lobaka wow.
1: Right.
2: Lobaca Low Lowy. Yes,
0: yes. yes uh, okay.
1: Lowy. Lowy and Lumpy. Okay, I feel better for getting it <laughs> confused. <laughs> they're
0: very they're very similar names. Um yes. but it was it was fun to see uh to to see Lowy. Uh sorry, not Lowy, Lumpy. Um, I'm. You guys are gonna mess me up forever. Um, <laughs> yes, you're welcome. And and we find out that in this the the this interlude actually shows us how Chewie appears and rescues his son, um, which was a nice little moment, and uh, they're they're finally reunited. Um, and you know he's Chewie is is still. You know he's he ends up staying on Kashyyyk looking for his family and, and Luke is off searching the galaxy for old Jedi teachings. So um, uh, we, we actually don't get to see much of, of, of Chewie uh, in this book at all, which is a little sad. I, it's kind of, it's kind of sad that both Luke and Chewie are, are missing from the modern, uh, it, you know, the modern star Wars story, basically. Uh,
2: Give it time. Versions.
1: It really bothers me actually. And I, again, I'm going to fast forward to the end of the book. One of the sequences that I, really annoyed me with just the because of how the new EU is set up was the scene where uh, Ben is born. Mm -hmm. And obviously we like, we know, like we know, I should say not anyone in universe. Like we know they can't talk about anything about Luke, but, and so the way like Chuck has to get around it is, you know, some say that like Luke was there and was helpful. Mm -hmm. Others say he was nowhere to be found. And it just, it all I felt was like, I, I wish you could tell me which. Like uh, mm-hmm. it feels weird to not have, like how could Luke miss the birth of his nephew? And so, so like, I get mm-hmm. that eventually he's going to disappear, but we know Luke's around at this point. Like, cause he has to train Ben still. And it is, it, it felt cheap to not have him there. I completely agree. Um, Sean.
2: I, mean, I think our Luke cravings will be satisfied next year. Um, I agree, obviously. like I, I, We're all chopping at the bit for Luke. I think we all have been since he turned around uh, at the end of The Force Awakens. But I, I agree. And I, I, I kind of took it to mean he was there, um, purely because that's the version I like best.
0: Yeah, because I mean, yeah. like, what kind of a, a jerk move is that for Luke to be like, sorry, I'm not going to come home. Um I'm uh you know even if he's not there for the birth like he should at least come home and like right afterward and say like hey congratulations go see the you know new member of the family
1: mm-hmm.
0: right um, usually how but it works. In- yeah but instead no he's like you know may or may not be off somewhere in the galaxy not really caring at all and I I really hope I, I really hope we as soon I don't think we're going to get any, any Luke stories until uh, until the last Jedi, right? Until we find out what happens yeah. in the last Jedi, uh, and based on the Disney, um, uh, shareholders meeting, there it, it's very interesting what, uh, what Luke may or may not have said during in one of those clips. Um, but Honcha uh, first, until yeah, it's exactly what Luke, Luke's first words are Han shot first <laughs> in uh, in the last Jedi.
1: I, it seems reasonable to me.
0: Uh, <laughs> um. But so, I but I don't think we'll get any any Luke stories until then. And I think they're gonna keep doling, you know, kind of stringing us along until then. Which, to be totally honest, is is one of my the most the things that frustrates me most about the the current um, the current Star Wars canon right now. The fact that it's I feel like they keep giving us hints of things, but they never actually pay it deliver. off. And I think they're waiting to deliver it until they can do something in the movies but it just feels like it's one clue after another without any form of resolution and i i worry that people are going to get are going to be um exhausted uh, about that after they're, they're going to be tired of it eventually even but even chewbacca was not uh did not join the birth of uh join for the birth of ben he was back home on the with his like family. I like that either. Right? <laughs> Neither did I? Like, come on, Chewie. You know what the heck? And,
1: yeah. He, actually, the thing that bothered family. me most about that is, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity for stories with Chewbacca. To like, I just remember one of my favorite things that came out of uh episode seven was you know this uh you know it was a fan comic of like Chewie angry at Han being killed. He's got a you know his blaster pointed at Ben's head uh and then you know he has these flashbacks of like oh yeah like this is the kid that i helped raise right it was like though those moments there's a lot of potential there and i'd argue it's actually even more important important now because uh chewy as a character is not someone who can you know die because you can always put someone else into the suit uh if that makes sense like Mm -hmm. we the scenes we have between like uh, Leia and Ben in episode eight are probably all we're going to get. Or I would guess are all we're going to get. Right. There's so much potential for cool stories with Luke. Or not with Luke, with uh, Chewie. And then he's just not even there. Not even there for the birth. Mm hmm. It, it bothers yeah, it, me. It, like a lot it, of it, things, but. It, yeah.
0: It, it's, it's, it's too bad because I, I love Chewie. And yeah, it makes sense. Like he should. Go home with, see his family, have a life and stuff. But he's also, um, he's also Han's best friend. And, and it's a little odd that he was not there with, uh, with them. Uh, maybe, oh, you know what? Huh. It all makes sense now. Chewie uh-huh. did not come, come to see, to visit Leia when, when, when Ben was born. And so, um, when when Chewbacca arrives back on way. Prime with with Ray, Leia completely walks past Chewie and just gives Ray that hug because you know what, Chewie, darn you, you <laughs> never came back and visited me right when Ben was born, and now Ben killed my husband, so I can forget you. I'm gonna go hug Ray.
2: Wow, Leia Re knows how to hold a grudge. It all makes sense.
1: Wow. <laughs> It, it's it's all
0: connected, it. as I like to say. <laughs> Confirmed. Uh, who, Confirmed. Who who would have thought? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but anyway, um, and, and we find out the last little piece about Kashyyyk is we find out that apparently the illegal victory that the the our that was that had happened on Kashyyyk in the previous book um, uh, was pretty much the only thing that stopped the. Uh, systems from leaving the new Republic uh, after By the way, I, it was attacked
1: that did not make any sense to me whatsoever okay so they t- cuz they talk about how uh you know that was a really important moment after what happened with the uh you know the assassination attempts mm-hmm. but that happened before the assassination attempts and you could argue led directly to it right
0: yeah, actually i think like, you're right mm.
1: I, the ordering felt off. Like they kept talking yeah. about how Kashik was, you know, the one bright spot after what happened to, uh, you know, what happened there. Yeah, so it was like, a, and, yeah, and it was like a, yeah. Are Are you sure?
0: Hmm. Okay. Fair. Fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I just, I,
1: I, was perplexed by it. Is what I would yeah. say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That 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 attack had a a pretty big big impact on. The, the 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 new republic right uh because of that a lot of people kind of lost faith in the new republic the the empire went dark right after that uh and, and just went to surround jakku um but uh i don't know it it, it started it that attack resulted made, made a lot of people lose faith in the new republic lose faith in mon mothma and uh it just kind of started the ball rolling toward everything that happens uh in this book like mon mothma is is running a, a, a for for you know chancellor chancellor against toll war war toll which is a mouthful <laughs> to say um and um, uh so uh-huh.
1: hang on before we, it was such a mouthful i did not realize until they pointed out like halfway through the book that his name is a palindrome yeah I was like <clears throat> I did not notice that at all I just like I saw his name and I just kind of like war turtle and just kind of like moved on. <laughs> war turtle <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> so that's his like... new name <laughs> that's his new name war turtle yeah um, yeah <laughs> but she's a but Mon Mothma is still recovering right it's taking her a while and so they, uh, they end up moving
1: like Mon Mothma in this book
2: more than in life debt. But they less thought,
1: than in troubles. Uh, yes. I, I would 100% agree. I felt like she was not herself, is the only way I can think to describe it. Okay. Or I should, another way to put it is she felt a lot more timid than I felt like Mon Mothma should be.
0: She felt, felt, felt a lot more timid?
1: Timid. <laughs> Sorry. That's stupid oh, I thought, um, sorry I thought you were like actually asking no no no, no I was <laughs> timid joke. is the uh, word I was using
0: yes um yes I, I agree, except for that one scene where which I did like where mon Mothma um uh basically she prevented she she was like she got on the ship and uh used the fruit to keep the um yes. The the I don't know. Bay, Even that right? I was
1: a little a little disappointed with. Really? Because on the it was crafty, but I Mon Mothma like imagine Mon Mothma in episode six. You know, she is the leader of the rebellion. Right. You know, this this great leader she's or in Rogue One where you see her start to bring everyone together. That Mon Mothma was not in this book. I she agree is, with you there. She's very uh I don't even know what the word is. Like, she she seems overly concerned with the election. She doesn't have any kind of, I'd almost say, like, any kind of spine when it comes to, like, leading the nation that she founded.
0: Well, it I is- think, I do agree with you. I think some of it can be explained away in that Mon Mothma, she knew the Empire was bad. And so she was willing to stand up for the Empire. Sorry, stand up against the Empire and fight, right? To rally the troops, bring everyone together together to 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 stop um, this this threat to the galaxy, then they win, and maybe they Don't. even won against it is, all
1: odds. I, that's what? Part, that's the thing that. Sorry, I'm gonna derail for a moment. That was what bothered me more than anything else in this book is how much they act like the like it's all done already. The majority of the Empire's army is a hundred percent still there. Like that's why the Battle of Jakku has to happen in the first place. But most of this book everyone treats like the Empire is it's a foregone conclusion. It I found it very, very strange.
2: Uh, to be fair, um the the reality of governing uh, is quite different to you know, a leading rebellion. I, I oh think,
1: absolutely. I, I think right, that, I,
2: that's
0: I, where I was going. I think because, go ahead, Sean.
2: The the you know the politics she's dealing with and the fact that she's just been she's recovering from that assassination attempt I can see why she's not quite the same person she was in Rogue One or Return of the Jedi.
0: So I, I think I, I do think agree. Mon greatest fear is turning into into Palpatine or feeling or, or having the perception that she's Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I think she is honestly terrified that. She will do something, or or will appear to do something that looks like she's just bringing the empire back, and that the the rebellion was fought for nothing. She she so strongly believes in the rebellion that she wants to avoid any any pretense of um uh, of trouble, right, or or, or, yeah. or a return to the way things were. And I think that's why she's so timid. Right. She's she's terrified that, that she'll do the wrong thing, that her stepping in will appear like she's trying to, you know, to assume more power or she's yeah. trying to circumvent um, the, uh, uh, you know, their the, the new government.
1: Yeah. and I, I, mean, I do I agree guess with that you. Does, I do agree I with you. But I guess that makes sense. I guess what bothered me more was how much everyone treated the empire like it was already done, and yes. like there were lots. And the other thing is, and actually, the, it was a t- it wasn't just that it was a tonal issue. Um, the rebellion of four, five, and six is dedicated to bringing freedom to the galaxy. The new republic of aftermath doesn't really care, and it especially that gives a apparent when they talk about Coruscant, this planet with millions, if not, I mean billions and billions of people they're like yeah so the empire has coruscant who cares like Mm -hmm. i thought you like i thought the goal of the new republic was to free the galaxy but they destroyed the second death star and killed palpatine and kind of decided that up i guess our job's done Mm -hmm. like there are huge swaths apparently of the galaxy that still are in trouble and there's still a massive imperial fleet out there but no you guys destroyed the death star and killed palpatine and even Kashyyyk, we'll they they refused
0: to go rescue. Uh, and it was only through the actions of uh, Nora and crew that, and Han, that they even managed to rescue. But, everyone. so it's been Kashyyyk.
1: a while. What was the reasoning they didn't want to rescue Kashyyyk? I don't. I don't remember um, what the the explanation was.
0: You know, I, I'm trying to remember as well. Because I.
1: I I can kind of get it, like, if it's a, you know, maybe this isn't the best use of our fleet, which I seem to recall what it was, that they just thought other planets were more important to deal with at the time. And that, you know, makes sense. Like, totally difficult to, like, rescue the entire galaxy at once. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't do something. like I I think... I don't know. Yeah,
0: shoot, now I'm trying to remember. I can't remember if it was because they were worried about... Because Kashyyyk hadn't joined or something, and so oh, they—oh, that
1: I could see that as well.
0: They—they they didn't feel like they could rescue uh, them anyway. Yeah, it, there's just definitely a lot of—I—I I, I do think it all boils down to they're scared, right? They're scared that yeah, by going and rescuing Kashik, they'll seem like the Empire trying to take over. Uh, they're scared that um, you know, anything they do could be perceived the wrong way. Uh, they're scared that if like Mon Mothma knows that they need to go to Jakku, right? But they t- have a vote around whether to attack Jakku and the vote doesn't pass. And Mon Mothma doesn't want she can't just go attack Jakku anyway. Yeah. Um and and so I think that's the biggest issue. I do agree with you though, it's a little odd that um very odd that they are acting so much like the uh, the Empire is gone. Yes, they the Empire's kind of surrendered, but uh, it's... Has it, though? I- exactly. Well, they had the fake <laughs> surrender, right? And then the Empire's mostly kind of retreated. I got the impression they still have a large fleet, not not quite massive enough to just go conquer the galaxy. Well, um, they talk
1: about... There's the Superstar Destroyer, which they talk about as you know, a, almost a fleet unto itself... Mm-hmm. Um, and they also talk. I think there were twelve star destroyers in Jakku orbit because they talked about them forming a circle around the Ravager to protect it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and That space battle is a whole and a whole another issue, but that's okay.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but like twelve, twelve star destroyers and a super star destroyer—it's a lot. It's a lot of firepower, but it's not—it's not enough to go oppress the that's... whole galaxy, especially when not the, the civilians galaxy, will rise but... up. Right now, that now that the now that the New Republic is. Effectively in charge, and the empires retreated. The citizens of the galaxy will not, in hopefully, will not stand if the empire tries to come back. Um, whereas before, most of the galaxy was just like ter- too terrified to 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 go after the empire. That they just kind of accepted it, and it, a small rebellion had to free everyone. Now it's yep. like they're the, they're the reigning power. If someone attacks, hopefully, the planets themselves will rise up. Against the empire, knowing that the prevailing government is behind them. Yeah, but it is still strange that they act like it's not an issue at all. That's that's for sure. And the the most surprising thing, actually, at the end of this, so in one of the interludes, interlude five, the fifth interlude, um, takes place on Coruscant, and we see that Massameda is under house arrest. He's effectively the ruler of the empire, but in name only. And these kids sneak into the Imperial palace, threaten to kill him. And, um, and instead they decide that he's already too broken. So they make, so he makes a deal with them and they turn him into the new Republic. Um,
1: by the way, those and, kids were in one of the previous, uh, books as an interlude, weren't they?
0: I believe yes. so. The ankle brigade.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was, so that was, just as a, a side note, one of the things that I thought was interesting in what I'm going to call the experiment called Aftermath was, <laughs> well, it just, so the way they, they dealt with, like, the interludes, it was interesting seeing these stories that really came down to, like, two chapters of the novel yeah. across multiple books, but ha- still having an impact and kind of being important. Right. It was, it was, like, cuz i was like i it, like these kids sound familiar the name sounds familiar but i don't really remember what it is i just it was i don't want to say it was good or bad it was just it was definitely different yeah and
0: actually the interludes were some of some of my favorite uh aspects of of the aftermath trilogy and we'll get into those in in just a minute um mm-hmm. but wrapping up the this this Masameta interlude, right. um, the uh, so the kids decide to tournament, excuse me, turn into the New Republic, and we actually get one of the kids l- saying, um, "We rebel in uh, <laughs> in, in yeah. the interlude," which reminded me a lot of like it's that's got to be a Rogue One reference, right? Um, and then later, later Masameta does is taken to uh, to the New Republic and. You know he he comes out of hiding and offers to sign a ceasefire agreement with with uh, with the New Republic and, and and formally surrender. And this is this is after the Battle of Jakku, and um, and he is end up they end up giving Massameda a provisional but powerless government on Coruscant.
1: Yeah, like why? Like
0: what the heck? They they gave him the entire planet to rule. Like he surrendered. Even if you're not going to throw him in jail or execute him for his war crimes, like, you know, don't give him something to rule. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get that. And the fact that they basically is, gave up the this entire is planet. Like
1: the way the New Republic deals with everything, like the the everything kind of is being a foregone conclusion just is weird.
0: Yeah. So that was that was kind of strange. But, you know, um,
2: yeah. <laughs> I, I, I so don't was, I on. just I don't think that they they have the resources uh, to do anything really. And the, so they saw that Massimato was broken essentially, and they knew that he'd be their puppet. That was my reading of it.
0: Oh, you think he's like their puppet? Because I mean, the way I got it was like he's he's ruling his own government. He's he's in charge. Yeah, I, he's doing his own thing. I think and... I'm
1: slightly more okay with the idea that he's a a puppet ruler. Yeah. I I, I guess technically he probably is, right?
2: Yeah. I I don't think that it's not quite a puppet in the way Palpatine would have a puppet, but mm -hmm. he's essentially under the New Republic's way. There's nothing he can do without their say. So that was my reading of it.
0: Right. But why not instill someone else in that position?
2: I don't know.
0: Why is he like, I surrender. I am a bad guy. I give up. Uh, And the New Republic's like, Thanks for your surrender. Uh, now go rule, co- rule, Corson, and do what we say. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I don't Excellent know the, con- the conditions he was living under. <laughs> he was clearly quite broken, but uh, <laughs> the, the optics of uh, yeah letting the emperor continue to rule are questionable.
0: Right. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Um. So there's a bunch of other interludes. One we already talked about, and that was the chess interview. And we we get a bit more about Gallius Rax. We find out that, you know, he's only left Jakku a, f- a few times in his life. You know, we we knew previously that he he grew up there, and he's only left Jakku a few times. He also has no idea who his parents are, which
1: it's okay. Was his interesting. Parents are Luke Skywalker,
0: which is interesting, given that Rey also doesn't know who her parents are. Um. And so, I don't know. It, it's just it, it's fascinating to me that lots of these kids who grew up on Jakku have no idea where they came from. Um, I don't know if that's, a, I don't know if that's uh connected or not. I don't know.
2: But it, it Jakku is the, the galaxy's weird orphanage. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was it's say, so weird as no, orphanage.
1: Jakku is a virgins in the forest. It's where all children of the forest are born yeah. anakin, Whoa. anakin being born on Tatooine was a mistake you see the stork no, the space wait. stork was like oh hey sand planet this must be jakku right and just kind of dropped them off and turned out was, i, was, I like, was
0: gonna say they're basically the same planet anyway but um i like yours better <laughs> yeah. the space um, stork
1: is a very time-honored tradition in star
2: wars yes the space stork
0: Hashtag space dork. It dates um, back to
2: the original script treatment. Yeah,
0: exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Exactly. Uh, I was surprised by how often Windig uses Palpatine's first name. Um, you know, we, we we got his first name in, uh, I believe it was Tarkin, right? That's Tarkin. Um, we find out his first name is Sheev Palpatine. And then I just expected, like, they would say that and... It would not really be referenced all that much, but multiple times they call him Sheev in uh, in in Empire's End. There um, are a lot
1: of people who seem to like to call him Sheev.
0: Yeah, which was I don't know. I, I just like calling him Palpatine better. Calling him Sheev just feels off. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of uh,
2: like like no one says Mon. They don't say Mon. Right. Say, yeah. Yeah. They say <laughs> Mon every time. Right. Pay respect. <laughs>
0: It's, it's her full name yeah. Uh, mon Mothma. uh yeah <laughs> no you're right it is weird to say mon or at least more Mothma. more it's mon Mothma. um yeah uh, in another interlude we find out about the fate of the annihilator it's right, Stephen
1: which was the annihilator
0: the uh the well, annihilator a... was one of the uh the the superstar destroyers oh, um
1: I that's right I forgot about that this. this was the uh the pirate city or whatever they decide there would be called. That right. was interesting. Where I'm trying to remember where had we heard about the Annihilator before? This the, is the
0: first uh, time I remember hearing anything. The Annihilator is the sorry, it's not a superstar it's an executor class Star Destroyer under the um, that, that is the command style. of Admiral Garn in the in the Battle of Endor. Um thin... so it, yeah, we we thought it was um we thought it was destroyed or something, but no, it's actually uh, because it's actually, home now, home to a nation of smugglers, with uh, run by uh, Elodi Marcaravania, um, and she actually takes out some of the remaining Star Destroyers exiting Jakku, the last three, and uh, removes them. Hopefully, hopefully, so that the New Republic will look the other way when you know she's running around with her little pirate empire. Um,
1: I also, I'm very interested to see where. If that story ever gets picked up anywhere, there's kind of a, I don't, I don't want to call it history, but this idea of, you know, they're a, uh, I, was, I was about to say pirate government. But, you know, these shadow governments that start out as being not anything that uh, are intended to be a government and then end up kind of becoming a foundation of civilization. Mm-hmm. Is kind of like a neat trope I have seen before, and it would be interesting to see if this ends up being the case as well, or if this is yeah. just an interlude that will never be mentioned again. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> now I, I have a feeling they're either they these interludes are either they're either setting things up, they're closing off, they're resolving interludes from the previous books, um, like uh, well I'll get to them in a second, or they're uh, or they're kind of closing the story for characters or whatnot uh, in the in the case of picking things up from uh before we see the um we see mavelin come across Cobb vantu uh wearing mandalorian armor on tatooine and uh, the question here is you know that, that's that got to be bobas right
1: i would assume so all right oh, and yeah. he, he's
0: this so any any thoughts here on on this this interlude with uh on tatooine
2: but it was pretty cool um aside from that strange ambiguity regarding what happened to boba fett um it felt very like a western um mm-hmm. I, it has yeah. throughout um and it's it's definitely weird <laughs> especially with the you know the teenage hut um mm-hmm. it's hard to go yeah
1: yeah i was very curious that I was gonna end up being stinky
0: <laughs> man that'd be amazing um that but is I think one the word you is, could use yes <laughs> the uh the, the timeline i don't think quite works out but basically Probably. they they want to install this this adolescent hut borgo on the on the dais and the dais and then use him to free tatooine uh which is which is interesting you have this slave turned sheriff- wearing mandalorian armor um and so that's a Again, not a, a huge thing, but we, we got this this mysterious character wearing Mandalorian armor in the, the last two Aftermath uh, books. Math books. So it was, you know, we kind of got the uh, a resolution to his story there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also get a reference to Rogue One in the fourth interlude, where a group of pilgrims travel to Christophsis to return some kyber crystals that were stolen from the planet years ago. And... Uh, and they are part of the Church of the Force. And they even read a passage from the Journal of the Wills. Uh, all, all stuff that ties directly into Rogue One.
1: Mm-hmm. There were some... The other Rogue One references, they start mentioning Ewing's and TIE strikers mm-hmm. again, which I was not actually a fan of. But
0: Really? How come?
1: I just... And this is... It's my issue with sequencing where it's like they mention them because now they can because they mm. exist in the Got universe, it. but the fact that they act like they've always been there kind of bothers me. Right. The same with the, like the hammerhead uh, ships that are mentioned um, <laughs> in the battle too. It's like, well, okay, but like I would all of they need. I needed the royal throwaway, throwaway line like you know now that we're you know we've been pushed back so far. You know we just we have to use everything we've got we've had to pull up some old you know tie strikers to help us or you know something along mm. like those lines
2: but there was okay. also uh the uh, on the rogue one front they also mentioned orson krennic um mm-hmm. and uh, galen Erso, and i thought th- that felt a little bit jarring uh so like, mm-hmm. so suddenly these guys are public knowledge um <laughs> now look i i understand why they're doing that they have to tie all these things together but it still felt a little weird to me i guess we're just not used to those characters yet
0: right, right. and I, I think i think you know you're both right and i think it's exactly what Stephen was saying where now that these characters exist they feel like they have to mention them and um you know even though they might they might not they might not have to mm-hmm. uh which is very fascinating uh interlude Six takes us to the acolytes uh, of the Beyond as they gather on Deveron and uh, other worlds intent on slaughtering enclaves and outposts across the new republic and apparently they're led by Yoop to shoot. so that's a very confusing one i didn't, I don't really feel like it it went anywhere um but to,
1: no I'm not sure what the intent was behind it, yeah like there, there seemed to be something about how you know the lightsaber has uh, an effect on people, because um, you know there's the girl who talk, you know, talks about being very timid. She's kind of second guessing herself, and then you, Tashu, gives her a lightsaber, and now she is super ready to murder everyone she can find.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna murder she also, all you. They have masks, don't they?
1: Yeah, uh, I believe so. Yeah. And I think... Yeah my guess is these are meant to be to lead us up to the Knights of Ren.
2: Yes. Agreed.
0: I think so. Yeah. Acolytes of the beyond feels very much like that sort of thing. And that's, that's another one of those questions where I just feel like they're just doling. They're like slowly stringing us along with, you know, teases about the, uh, the Knights of Ren and what Luke, what's Luke been up to. And there's all these different characters. We don't know where they've been, um, and, and what's happening. And, I think they're taking too long to get to those answers and I get it. They're trying to save them for the movies or they're there. They can't talk about it yet because there's something in the movies that they don't want to spoil. Um, but I just hope that this doesn't go on for too long. Um, cause I, there's some major questions that happen over a 30 year period that they can't answer. Yeah. And that's the, that's the most frustrating thing. And I think, you know, once, once they answer those questions and we finish off the, uh, the once the sequel once you know seven eight nine are done basically the sequel trilogy uh, at that point they can hopefully fill in all of those questions during that 30-year period and then any future movies that take place after seven eight nine won't be quite have have so much so much quite so much mystery in the past Mm. um Mm. if they do more movies after that and i i'm almost positive that they will um based on how well star wars has been doing um but yeah, I uh I am very curious. I, I it just it, it is frustru- it's frustrating to have them hold off on answers for just so long.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, uh, I I think we all kind of want everything now because we have I get it. We uh, can't get everything material. No. Yeah.
1: I I would even settle for like pieces of things, I guess I would say, right. cuz it's
2: mm.
0: I feel like right now There's... rather than giving us pieces or explaining like You know, one thing, but another thing like there's there's like uh, there's like probably two, you know, a few dozen mysteries right now that we're waiting for answers on. And they're not instead of saying, well, we'll answer this mystery, but not the other two dozen or three dozen. They are not answering any of them. And they're just actively sidestepping all of them instead of uh, even starting to slowly dole out bits and pieces on them. It's like we're going to tease you about it, but we're not going to say what it is. And that's, I think, been the most frustrating thing about the new canon right now. Um, One character, though, we didn't... We do get some resolution on um, a bit is Lando Calrissian. Lando finally returns in Interlude 7, and uh, we get a little bit of Lando and Lobot. It was pretty cool.
1: Do you think we're going to see Lando uh, feature in a lot of Star Wars anymore, or is this kind of meant to be his? Well, I his mean, there's the Han song.
0: Solo movie. Um, well, where... but I
1: mean, post—I uh, should say—post Return of the Jedi.
2: I really hope so.
1: I do as well, but I'm.
0: Yeah, I mean, so in, in this interlude, we we see H- Lando and 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 Lobot arrive on Cloud City, and they're 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 bound back for the first time since uh, since they they abandoned it in in Empire. And it's not clear exactly what time period it is, but uh we we learned that uh the imperial general general uh Edelhat, uh had formed a what, they, what he calls the iron blockade and kept everyone from leaving the city and he he actually tricked lied to to all the residents of cloud city saying that the empire emperor was still alive which is um which is a fun concept which i believe came
2: is from the e u as well
1: uh I Uh, I do
0: not recall Saying that the the Emperor is still alive Sounds uh,
2: familiar Edelhart was in uh, The Uprising game Wasn't he Which I played Like two seconds of I must confess Was he Yes Um, Oh Oh, That's clever Yeah Unfortunately That game is now Defunct
1: Yep
0: Um, Right I I never played it I I wanted to Personally it's so hard To play the mobile games Because I'm always terrified About my battery life dying Uh, And that's that's why
1: I don't always play them Speaking as someone Uh, Who plays some of those Mobile games Yep Battery life is an issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: I know I you're, I you're obsessed it with myself. this. Well, it's, yeah, it's like uh, I would much uh, have vastly preferred a console experience, but mm-hmm. I think we're, we'll all be in the same boat in that regard.
0: Right, yeah. right. Uh, that's that's true. Um, so Orlando had to stage an uprising and starve out uh, Edelhard uh, and, and in order to to re- get his his city back. Um, and we get some nice jokes, you know, because at this point, Ben isn't yet born. And so, Lando jokes about what kind of gift can he give uh, Han and Leia's new son. And he jokes about giving Ben a cape and a mustache so he looks like Uncle Lando. Um, <laughs> I
1: liked that idea a lot. I did yeah. too. It's, it's and it a bit, you know... it was one of those you know, moments that it reminded me a lot of the old Expanded Universe. The kind of... uh
0: uh-huh.
1: The character of it.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. It, 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 it was such a nice moment. Or he's like, you know, actually, I'll give... I'll give uh, Ben a special blaster with an offer to help if he ever gets in trouble and doesn't want to go to his dad. Uh, you know, and he'll, he'll lock it away and give the key to Han for when the kid is older. Um, uh, so so that's what he that's what he decides to do. Or give and, and also give the Solos a catamaran for their family trips, which was I guess that's a very generous Lando. You know, <laughs> here here's a fa- here's a ship for your family uh, yeah. and a, a blaster for your newborn baby.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, seems reasonable.
0: Yeah. Uh and then of course we also get a reference to Lando saying that he never wants to start a family, um which um as you know from <sighs> the expanded universe is exactly what happened. Exact, sorry, the exactly the opposite of what mm-hmm. happened, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, cuz we had we had Chance his his son and um you know, he, as we don't know Lando, Lando gets married in the EU, so I don't know if they're just setting that up or how much we'll get of, of Lando in the future, but it did kind of, kind of close it out and kind of not mm-hmm. at the same time. I feel like there, there's still plenty of opening for them to go somewhere else with this character, but they don't necessarily have to. There's a different character though, who, whose story is completely closed out in in the second interlude, and that character is the one and only Jar Jar Binks. the back. Hello, barzos. the back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what did you think when you saw Jar Jar appear in this book?
2: My mind was a little bit blown because <laughs> <laughs> the way it's introduced, it's you know, it's like a little bit ambiguous as to who it is and. Uh, there's some point where you read it and you're like oh, I know who this is, Jeepers!
0: <laughs> so you okay? So you did you did not know
2: at first? I, I didn't immediately realize. Uh, okay, and it slowly dawned on me. <laughs> I okay. I'll be
0: honest. I I like Jar Jar. Uh, is he perfect? No, but I like I like the character. And so I loved that Chuck Wendig trolled with fans when what a year ago six months or a year ago whatever it was a while back he said oh yeah jar jar is going to be in in aftermath empire's end and that's after all of the times where he's messed with people and you know said outrageous things are going to be in the next in his next book when you know obviously they they would not be um and so the fact that jar jar was in this book um it's just amazing. I love that he trolled people and everyone thought he was kidding. And he was hundred percent serious. And he was able to to mask his truth within the sea of other lies. Um which which is great. Steven, any thoughts on on how they portrayed Jar Jar in
2: this book?
1: I actually did not like how they portrayed Jar Jar in this book. Oh. Um I just I don't even know how to describe it. Like it's Jar mm-hmm. Jar love him or hate him. And most people hate him. He played a very important part in the prequel trilogy and to have him kind of, I guess he went through some development in the prequel trilogy where he became kind of a statesman, became important, um, obviously made some mistakes, but that doesn't, you know, change the type of character he was and to have him kind of right. relegated back to a, the a comedic effect character. Uh, it felt like it was like it was too bad. Like this was. It felt like the character had slid backwards instead of becoming moving forward. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I, I was torn on this one. I I liked seeing Jar Jar. I I think it's fascinating now that we have forty some odd years of Jar Jar. To, oh, it's not 40 uh i was i think this is in the um uh force awakens timeline but uh we we have a good 20 years of 25 years of jar jar uh to answer for what's what's jar jar been doing these last you know two and a half decades uh where's he been and i love that he's still alive uh mm-hmm. at this point you know and they didn't kill him off like many people thought he would this really is jar jar's swan song it's it's the end of jar jar i think this is the last time we'll probably ever see jar jar in any star wars material and um it was so on on the one hand i kind of liked they they brought him back just to kind of give us closure for the character uh and also to troll with the people who hate him um and his story is very tragic i feel on the one hand um I would have loved for him to have a, a happier ending. On the other hand, what he got is exactly it, it perfectly parallels his impression in w- w- what happened to him in real life. Right in, in the book, Wait, he's basically now. <laughs> I mean, in in, in oh, our galaxy, you mean right? His
1: how people regard him. Yeah. Got it
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, Jar Jar entertains these refugee kids on Naboo, especially this kid. Named Popo Mappo, and they the kids love him. They call him a clown, but the adults all ignore him and hate him. Um, and it's tragic, right? He he's been banished from the Gungan cities for his mistakes. The Naboo think he helped the Empire, so they hate him. Um, and, and they he ends up just entertaining the kids together, and and that's about it. Um, hey, that's 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 Jar Jar's you know fate right to be to be hated by everyone except for the kids and that's exactly or but hated by most adults and adored by kids and that's exactly what happened to him in in our galaxy right in, in real life outside of the films the adults who saw Jajar hated him uh the kids and I was you know younger um when the you know I, when the Phantom Menace came out, so I was I was like the right age for Jar Jar and I liked him. Right? Uh I was nine when the when the Force Awaken when the Phantom Menace came out and I liked Jar Jar a lot. And so um it it does parallel what happened in real life. It is unfortunate. It is sad Um mm-hmm. that they didn't give him a better ending. But and yet it's also kind of fitting. Uh
2: I don't know, I don't what, know what you're talking about. There's going to be a standalone Jar Jar movie next.
1: <laughs> uh, you heard it here a first. Star Wars story.
2: I, I, I do I did find it all kind of sad though. I mean, like I I I was twelve when the Phantom Menace came out, and I was a little too old for Jar Jar, but I was prime Darth Maul age. Um, so I love Darth Maul, um, but I yeah I wasn't too impressed by Jar Jar, but. Clone Wars kind of rehabilitated him for me. Mm -hmm. Not sure why. Uh, I just thought he fit there and he was used pretty cleverly. Um, So I was kind of pleased to see him and I'm glad he got, he has a resolution and he's not dead horribly. (laughs) Yeah. And they can bring him back if they want to. Uh, They can. At least
0: he's still alive, right? Yeah. Uh, sure. so I don't know it, it was I'm torn I know some people hated his inclusion in Aftermath either because they didn't like his fate or because they just don't like Jar Jar to begin with I was pretty excited to see it I would have loved to have Jar Jar have a happier ending but I'm also okay that that this is uh, this th- is the th- last th- to save him exactly exactly so so that wraps up the the interludes and and uh, you know we we've we've been talking for over an hour and haven't even gotten into the the core story of aftermath yet, which
1: I <laughs> well, think we is, touched on a lot of it at the very beginning.
0: No, fairness. we did, we did, but I but like we've hardly mentioned Nora uh, or um you know the Nora, the other Nora,
2: the <laughs> nope, the rest of later. the uh, <laughs> you know the rest
0: of the, the characters, and I think that's honestly that's telling, right? Yes, it is. Um, I think personally, the 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 true. The part I liked about the the book the most was the after was the inter the interludes, was the the fate of the the new republic and the empire, um the things we've already talked about. Um that being said, you know, the bulk of the book was focused on these these other characters. Um and uh and we we actually get this whole other story set on you know basically the Nora and Jas and Sinjir and uh everyone else uh, they all want to go to um they all need to go to Jekku right and, and and stop the word steven sounds like you have something to
1: say no so uh, something you said kind of sparked with me um and so there's so I'm just going to I'm going to de- go off on a tangent for a moment um okay. one of my favorite book series the it's that's something like 18 books long and still going so it's a very long series um one of the things the author has talked about is how when he when he first started writing the series you know the main character is a, a starship captain um but and the kind of she he talks about how as the books go on you know they're sure the the character defeats but because you you know you want your hero you want your hero to succeed you know, the hero continues to succeed, but as you succeed, you get promoted and eventually you reach a point where it doesn't make sense for your hero to be like fighting on the deck of a single ship anymore. They're at a higher level. But as you read through the, you know, go through the series, that makes sense because you, you advance with those characters. And what I'm feeling most is Star Wars, we watched our our heroes go from a rebellion to a government and it's natural for us to want to see okay you know we've 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 seen the stories about you know on the front lines i want to see some of the bigger picture stuff and that's why like the even of the main you know the the actual main characters of the series like sinjir was the one i found most interesting because he's the one who's actually operating a level that's like okay this is kind of the next step for the heroes like mm-hmm. the nitty gritty stuff on Jakku can be interesting but most of my attention's like what's going on with the New Republic, and Sinjir's character is how I get answers to that. Yeah, it's, it's uh, interesting. I,
0: okay, so uh, let's let's talk about Sinjir for a minute. What did you think of his promotion?
1: Oh, that was ridiculous. <laughs> okay, uh, okay, please. I'm glad. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> it's totally so- ridiculous. But if you accept that it's ridiculous, then it al- it at least is you know something to talk about
0: <laughs> yeah and so so sinjir is basically he uh there, there's this whole there's so those two parts of the story there's so nora and um uh and uh mr bones uh-huh. go to jacku and, and jess thank you uh all go to the surface of Jakku in search for sloan they they hop in an escape pod and and go down to the planet without um you know before anyone else can can say otherwise um then so then the rest of the the, the book while most of the characters are trying to to rescue nora and, and jas and, and and mr bones um sinjir is off kind of as you said Stephen, operating at a higher level right he he tries to to help he talks he works a lot with leia and with mon mothma trying to you know um define there they find out there was a bug in leia's room in leia's apartment uh and and he goes and get uh, enlists condor's help in in removing this this bug uh and then he eventually ends up working with um mon mothma herself right um they, he's the one. He he goes and tries to help secure votes because, as we mentioned, Mon Mothma has this this fruit, and she she goes to Senator Wartall as they're as they're waking their making their way to Nokada, um the Nikadia, the the new home of of the the new capital of the the new republic. Which, they, they by switch the way, really
1: ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I I was totally on board with this idea. They're like, oh, the, you know, they're trying to be equal, so They send pe they go to different planets, and right. then it's like. Oh, you went to a planet that doesn't really even have space to like host. The <laughs> they went to the most very, backwater like, planet,
0: yeah. possible.
1: Also, while we're talking about it, as another side note of things that bother me about the series, um, <laughs> they make the galaxy feel very, very close. Uh, you know, people uh-huh. pop from Nicadia over to Chandrilla like it's not really an issue. There's never. You know, one of the it's like one of the things I feel like we established and they established in Star Wars, kind of in ep, through four through five, is the galaxy is we're I'm gonna call it pre uh, pre internet or pre telephone, mm-hmm. where it's like you know there is a you can have an entity called the United States, but you can't exercise direct control. It takes time for news to get from place to place. Right. Um, I did not feel like that was the case at all. In fact, the pirate sequence really bothered me because apparently the Battle of Jakku went on for, like, years or something like that. And the pirate captain makes comment about how, ah, you know, the Battle of Jakku, I've heard of this. It's like, this is in progress. Like, how did you hear about this? <laughs> I don't, like, there's not, there wasn't, at least in the old expanded universe, like, there was, I didn't realize that, it, like, news traveled this quickly, any, like, at this point. Like, it. I thought it took time. Like you know, there were courier ships and things like that, and it just it hmm. it was weird.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I agree with you there. Um, but uh, but but Sinjir is is working with Han and and Temen, Condor and Jom, who are trying to find some aspect of corruption in these five senators who refuse to vote for. Uh, to to go to Jakku and, and, and finish off the Empire, right? And that's why Mon Mothma brings this restricted fruit aboard, this fruit that cannot be taken to Nakadia, um, to kind of delay their landing and, and and tie them up in in red tape, uh, so that uh, they cannot do the the second vote again, um, and, and until they they figure out what's what's going on. So, you know, Han and, and Sinjir, they 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 manage to. To find out what's going on, they get the senator to conf- senators to confess what's happening, and uh, eventually, at the end of all this, um, uh, they they end up succeeding. Right? Um, they they find out that actually it was Black Sun and this new organization called Red Key that are behind the the conspiracy to keep the war going so they can preserve their existence. They they solve the problem the vote passes they decide to go attack jakku and at the end of the book sinjir Mon mothma tells sinjir no you can't go to jakku because i want you to be my new advisor because she has two advisors and she loses um she loses one of them uh or both does she, does ultimately
2: second one she, she die? loses both. yeah uh, both kills. right
0: yeah at the very end yeah
2: one was killed uh at the end of life death, and the other mm-hmm. dies in the explosion this.
0: Yeah. Um so all of that is to say I was shocked that Mon Mothma asked Sinjir to be her personal advisor. Like what kind of experience does he have aside from being uh, uh, you know part of the ISB and, and excellent at getting into oh, that all is people. all the
1: experience he has. <laughs> There's Yeah. <nothing laughs> <else. Sure. laughs>
0: Uh, So I don't know if I don't know if he's qualified for being one of Mon Mothma's advisors, I, I'm but positive he's
1: not qualified
0: in, in that case. It kind of felt like Chuck Wendig saying, I want to give this character. I want to keep this character around and. I'm just going to make give him a job, a really cool job beside Mon Mothma in order to do that.
1: Yep, I think that's a fair description <laughs> okay i'm glad I'm, I'm glad
0: i'm not alone here <laughs> no
1: there was puzzling is how yeah. i would describe it
0: um
1: I, I don't know i take that back i i kind of got it like he had he had he was good at reading people which is helpful but that doesn't really make you good at politics so
0: that's yeah that's true that's true and, and sean you mentioned the, the the fake out of mon mothma's death um did you think she had she had died when the the room she was in exploded
2: nope because she's mentioned in bloodline <laughs> ah, there you go yeah, yeah. I, I mean I, I i got a hint of concern uh, but then i was like wait no
0: i've seen the future and she's in no it. that's not true that's impossible
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> oh yeah uh but no she was she was like again no surprise to those of us who who've, who've read uh, some of the other books uh, but her other advisor Oxy did did die um which leads the way for a new advisor in the form of Sendiv Sella from Hosnian Prime uh Sendiv Sella of course is Corsella's father and Corsella dies oh. in um hey, it to in the force awakens when Hosnian Prime is destroyed and she also worked for uh, Mon Mothma. The moral of the story is: don't be an advisor for Mon Mothma because you <laughs> will die.
1: <laughs> Seems reasonable.
0: So, R.I.P. Sinjir because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh,
1: let's be real.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so another if interesting fact is: uh, there's new factions in the galaxy. There's the. There's the new separatist union and the Confederacy of Corporate Systems, um, which uh, again sound very similar to the the, the factions we got during the um, during the Clone Wars.
2: Yeah, it's.
1: Wow. I I wonder why they're throwing all these names out. It because they like the Confederacy. I feel like they mentioned in one paragraph and then it never mm-hmm. comes up again. Yeah, and I wonder what the like. I uh, the only thing I can think of is there's going to be another one-off book or a one-off comic that will mention these characters or these organizations, and then that will be it.
0: You think
2: so? Just just that.
1: I that's my that's how I
2: feel about it. (laughs) Ooh, interesting. Maybe maybe the Confederacy will like be led by Count Dooku's severed head and hands.
0: You know, it, it, you laugh, but there there are uh, there are droids in this book called Sentinels which have the face and the voice of Palpatine and they serve Rax and this master plan and they're almost sentient. Um but they don't match Palpatine's brilliance. Uh I found that kind of odd the, the, the whole yeah. concept of the Sentinels.
2: These guys were in um Shattered Empire. Uh I believe, Uh-oh. Are they? Yeah, so, I, right, because they have kind of these, these, these sort of glass faces and Palpatine's face appears on it um, and he gives orders.
0: Interesting. Oh, I completely forgot about that.
2: Right, the comics, I think, are kind of easy to forget because they come so gradually mm-hmm. and, and there are a lot of them. Um, well, and to be
0: totally honest, like when, when I'm reading the comics, I tend to focus more on the words than on the pictures. Yeah, uh, And so I will oftentimes just like not spend as much time just looking at the pictures as I probably should be. Yeah. I'm it sorry. I'm sorry. I'm it's terrible. Terrible of me. Um. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's fascinating. Meanwhile, on, uh, on the ground, uh, Nora, she, she's uh she's captured by the empire and then ends up, Escaping with the help of um, uh, of Mister Bones in a kind of a surprising moment. Mister Bones is, is is captured as well because remember he 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 came out of the planet after them uh, in in search of them, and uh, he arrives to catch capture Nora. Jazz is taken away somewhere else. The cap Nora somehow for some reason I don't know why decides to tell the the Empire that that Mister um, Bones is her droid. Because that'll end well um, yeah. <laughs> And yeah. when the captors discover this They shoot Mr. Bones to pieces
2: I would give Nora a little bit of leeway there Because she was probably losing her mind she um, uh, been tortured true. and deprived of water and food and comfort Yeah
1: I have to say, I also decided I just don't like Mr. Bones Oh! <gasps> Really? If Battle Droids were that effective, I don't mind... Personality-wise, he feels like a slightly crazier HK-47. Uh, okay. But, like, the whole self-repairing, like, if Battle Droids were that effective, I wish we had seen that earlier.
0: Well, I think he's souped up. Um, and specialized. Uh,
1: I mean, I get that, but I still feel like his actions are taken to a ridiculous degree. Uh, that and I like, completely if agree if you could The self-repairing special, mode? That especially was like okay like
2: (laughs) yeah that that took me out of it i must say
1: and actually that one i i would have actually preferred if he was more normal in skill but had a self-repairing mode because i could see like that that would make the droid army more fearsome like just in general and i can see that being a useful function to build into them but like his ability to like spin through the air and murder everything apparently without being shot just as like i don't know
0: because like okay so, as someone who spends a lot of time with computers and technology, how does that automatic repair mode even work? Uh, uh, they shot him to pieces, so he has holes, his wires must be burnt, and, and you know, like... You're, you're some, overthinking it. Somehow, he, like, <laughs> inches his limbs closer together and then just ties everything back together? Does he have power sources in every limb of his body? Um i, I you're, don't know
1: you're, you're like, overthinking if, this if, by a
0: lot if Chewie had torn his arm off i would get being able to put it back together but he literally has holes all over
2: magnets yeah
0: yeah <laughs> and then so he repairs himself and rescues nora and then everything is mostly okay um yeah and, and they uh they end up going after though they they go back into the desert meet up with jazz and um and they decide to to go after uh nor uh, after um uh, continue going after sloane rather than escape with the the ship's clearance codes um one thing i kind of thought was was fun was the inclusion of a few oh, bounty hunters
1: uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Seeing Embo again was very interesting.
0: Yeah, that was my favorite part because I've always liked Embo, right? He is cool. And so Mercurial Swift goes after Jas and they end up running into Embo and Dengar and all these other people. And Dengar is a little weird, weird to a... me. I have to Sorry, say, which one?
1: Dengar. Yeah. Just because he sounded I read like I was reading him as Canadian because he kept saying A and it just. It did not matter. Like, <laughs> I, I was reading him as, like, a Texas Canadian almost. <laughs> like,
2: I just and read. I realize
1: that sounds weird, but that the he, I felt like he was weird. Like, he was a very aggressive Canadian, like,
2: redneck. That's I just amazing. read him as Simon Pegg at this point. Uh, at exact his, his Clone Wars voice. So, uh huh. And the A kind of does sound. Ooh, it's been a while since I've seen him in Clone Wars, but I yeah, think see, that's I don't. Much... It's
1: been a while since I've watched that episode of Clone Wars, so mm-hmm. it, the Simon Peg goodness of it just kind of, yeah. I don't get. But anyway, Embo, I, I like, Embo, the fact that, I like know, seeing a lot.
0: Yeah, and the fact that Jass is, of course, the the niece of Sugi, um, and so you get this this connection between Sugi and Embo, who of course worked together during the Clone Wars. And so Embo is like an old family friend, uh, which, which creates an interesting dynamic because Embo is, is charged with going after her. Um uh, but he doesn't really want to go after her. He, he, you know, he's very fond of her and, and wants to, you know, he's, uh, he wants to help. Um, and so, uh, th- there's definitely this, this back and forth there. Uh, and he he decides to to create a distraction so that they can they can escape. Thankfully, and ends up helping them in the long run. Oh, we also get um, Nema the hut, which, to, to be totally honest, I was not thinking that Nima outpost was named after a hut. I don't even remember that in any of the 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 guides either. This, the essential guides. Am I am I crazy? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, it's the first we've heard of it. I think so. I think so as well, but um, but once the battle of Jakku starts, like everything starts going on down on the surface. You've got Phantom Squadron up in the air, which uh, still which bothers me. <laughs> not not a fan.
1: No, because it it feels like EU pandering when they could have just made it Wraith Squadron, because <laughs> it is Wraith Squadron. Right. They just decided they didn't want to call it Wraith Squadron, so they call it Phantom Squadron,
0: which is you know f- close enough, right? Yeah, and you know Temin is even in the in the cockpit uh, of one of the ships, uh, and you know they he he like barely misses his mother, and there's all these like moments where you know they 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 just pass each other just barely. In this case, Nora does explain to Temin that you know you know she can't uh, he he can't come and rescue her, and she needs to to finish her mission, um, and and that's uh you know and so so he has to basically stay in in orbit while she's doing her own thing down on the surface yeah um yeah uh the the, the big moment though is finally when uh when Nora runs into Sloan and Brenton her husband um Nora's husband who who's been you know with Sloan for the entire book and they end up um kind of oh uh, working Fighting. together yeah, yeah but it, there's definitely this dynamic right because in the last book brenton betrayed everyone he he was part of the plot to kill mon mothma and he had this like basically well, unintentional but... right he his, his, he was under the empire's control without knowing it um but uh it Nora doesn't know that and that that creates this big this big conflict with the the two of them um but they they decide to go after rax together as a, as a team um rax of course is working with armitage hux any any thoughts here on how hux was involved
1: um i i thought how both huxes was involved was kind of interesting um i feel like in a weird way, I'm more accepting of uh, Hux in Force Awakens being, I'm gonna say weird, <laughs> um, just because it's like, well, I guess he had a pretty awful father and it was apparently like abused as a kid. So yeah, I get that he's just gonna be like weird. Mm-hmm. Is how I felt about it. Um, but it's interesting to see like the beginning of the program, you know, that will eventually develop Finn as a soldier.
0: Yeah, like for example, Gallius has been stealing orphans on Jakku for nefarious purposes, and I believe this is that program, right? That that first order yeah, program.
1: That's that's how I read it. In fact, uh there's one scene where he describes uh one of the young female girls as being particularly aggressive and attack you know, violent. Uh mm-hmm. I, I yeah, I strongly suspect that's Captain Phasma.
0: I yes. think you're right. I think you're right. Yes. Um, <laughs> interesting, yeah, and um, yeah, and, and they even says that eventually, you know, Rax tells Armitage Hux that eventually he will take over for from his father Brendel, and he will control his fellow students. Um, and you, you even see like how uh, Armitage Hux, you know, almost enjoys. Uh, commanding his fellow students to like hit one another and he relishes yeah. in that power. So it really starts to um, cement Hux, uh, Hux's evilness or, you know, his brutality,
2: his jerkness.
0: Yes. His, his, his jerkness. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, yep. Uh,
2: so. of Hooks is clearly named after Brendan Gleason, right? This is something I kind of assumed all along, but I don't know After if who? After Brendan Gleeson, since Donald Gleeson plays Armitage Hawks. Brendan Gleeson is his father, so...
0: Oh. You might assumption. be right.
2: Yes. I should ask someone about this. That's fascinating.
0: Yeah. I, didn't, I never made that connection.
2: Yeah, I, I made it... I, every so often, it kind of pops into my head, and I keep forgetting to, I don't know, tweet Pablo Hidalgo about it, or something yeah. like that. Fascinating.
0: Fascinating. Um, the so I guess Stephen, you probably were not as disappointed then. Once the um, once the the battlejack who starts debris starts raining down on uh, on on the on the planet, we find out that in this case Commodore Krista Agate's ship, the Concorde, is damaged and and her crew abandoned Have ship, we... but she. So uh, this
1: is. Sorry, on Commodore Agate for a second. Mm-hmm. This is one of those cases where releasing uh, you know, books with, you know, almost a year in between them or however long it's been uh is difficult. I did not remember that character at all and so it's like, oh. I feel like they want me to feel bad that she's about to sacrifice herself, but I don't remember who she was to begin with. So
0: She was in all 3 of the aftermath
1: books. Was she? Um
0: yeah, but to be totally oh, honest, geez. I don't remember I don't remember anything about her either.
2: Nope, me neither.
1: <laughs> I was just like yeah oh she's dying no not her <laughs> yes my dear friend
2: <laughs> This is yeah. Awkward.
0: <laughs> yeah she was on um uh she, she she was she's like close with uh akbar and uh mon mothma and um she's worked with like maidene and stuff in the past and there's there's a bunch of stuff she's she has a lot of history um but again, to be totally honest, didn't remember that much about her. Uh that makes me feel better. Right. Oh no no. I but but she she did abandon she refused to abandon ship, even though the rest of her crew did. Right. And instead, in in kind of a, a rogue one style moment, uses her ship to open up a hole in the Imperial Dreadnought Ravager. And so as her, her, her ship that's a Starhawk class ship, um is Which dragged into the Jakku atmosphere. The
1: Starhawks are the new uh, Hammerhead Corvettes, is how I read that.
0: So, yeah, it's so. I actually wanted to come back to this. We can we can talk about it now. This is okay. the first new ship designed by the Republic, and it's fully upgraded. It's like the best ships they have. And so, you know, as our as our ship expert, I wanted to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, I mean Steve.
1: they they don't have enough detail in the in the book to really for me to like feel comfortable really saying anything. Oh. I I like the idea. Um I actually like the idea that they went with the hammerhead design um in the old expanded universe. Uh the major new ship class that the Republic builds are the defender class star destroyers and they are largely like their star destroyers. Um mm-hmm. and I that never really sat well with me because it seems weird that the Republic would build star destroyers. Um Yeah you know and, and it was kind of justified as like ah oh, well this is just like when you're building a ship of this size this is just how like an efficient ship looks
0: but not um, necessarily <laughs> yeah exactly
1: and so I, I like the idea that they're kind of going back to the hammerhead design i don't i'm not sure i buy everything they have about you know like i like the way the ship pulls a superstar story down from orbit like uh, it's actually i should say what i really re- i didn't i wasn't a big fan of how lo- quickly that ship went down the ravager went down Mm. because in my mind i just remember reading uh michael stackpole's description of the battle of uh Mm bakura where the lusanki is defeated and it's just like he just basically describes how this is just a massive like just from sheer amount of hull it just takes forever to destroy a superstar destroyer
0: so that i agree with in this case this was and here it,
1: it goes down very quickly
0: and I think yeah, and I, and I think that's because in in Chuse of Akura they were trying to shoot the Star Destroyer. and... No, it wasn't and, not.
1: Oh, sorry, I'm not. No, sorry. The Battle of Thyferra is the one I'm thinking of. Excuse oh, Thyferra, okay. Uh, so that because it's in the fourth X-wing novel, and basically the way they t- they take down the Lusankia is they put a ton of top uh, proton torpedo launchers on like just normal freighters, and use fighters to. Uh, you know perform target locks and they just talk about how it's just they launch torpedo after torpedo after torpedo uh to take down blue sankia and Mm -hmm. it's you know it's a superstar story it is a very very hard to take down um and just like they basically like slag it from stem to stern to try and take it out and it's just just from the sheer amount of you know like armor it has and the number of guns it has to like really remove it from the fight is a very lengthy process. Mm -hmm. And I I think that that is, I like that description of it and the feeling like, like, yeah, you're fighting a behemoth. Like this is the most powerful ship the empire built. Uh, Except maybe the eclipse. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But so it's just, I, I wanted, I would have liked more from the space battle, but on the other hand, I wasn't expecting more. So I wasn't disappointed.
0: (laughs) That's true. To be totally honest, I don't feel like we still have a very good grasp. We've had we've heard of the Battle of Jakku in a m- bunch of books now. I still don't feel like we have a, a very good grasp of the of exactly what happened. Uh, and we've seen it in
2: the sky in Battlefront.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We've seen it in so many different ways. I, I still don't feel like we have a good so idea.
2: You did you both
1: play Battlefront? I did. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so I was trying so in Battlefront, I remember seeing the Star Destroyer the Super Star Destroyer falling from the sky. Uh-huh. Was there a, a uh, any type of ship falling with it, or was it just the like it falling out of the oh, sky on I don't fire? Remember. No, I was too. Busy I thought they had all sorts shot. of things.
0: I thought yeah. they had all sorts of things falling from the sky.
1: Well, they had lots of ships, but so the big thing is they in here they very clearly describe that the Ravager is pulled down by uh, was it the Conquered? What was it? goddess ships called? I thought it was the Uh
0: Yeah. yeah Conc- anyway.
1: Okay, was so they describe it being pulled down by the Concord's tractor beam, and the Concord hits first, followed soon after by the uh, Super Star, Star And I wonder if they had the forethought, if like you went and played Battlefront and watched the Ravager fall, is there another ship even there? Or is it just the Ravager like on fire falling? Because I expect that's what it is, because I'm sure they the Hammerhead design was not, it wasn't back in Star Wars yet until Rebels did it, and Rebels didn't do it, until just before Rogue One. So I'm it just mm. makes me curious if Battlefront also had it.
2: That's Maybe they'll point. go back and patch it so that the is there. <laughs> I, hey, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I'm <laughs> oh, me all too. for
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. Be interesting.
2: Very expensive, I think.
0: Yeah, I don't wow. remember it, but but I like the idea that the 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 Starhawk has a super amazing tractor beam and was able to pull it down da- the the ravager down into space alongside it and it, that's it's a really cool idea and we, we find out Moff yeah. rand escapes in a in an escape pod but the result uh, you know of these two massive ships falling to the, the surface of the planet is a ton of debris and it, you know it hits temen's x-wing tearing it in half and uh more importantly the debris hits a uh uh, falling a wing hits um, uh, the the walker the uh, that that Temen is inside in is sorry uh, not Temen uh, Mr Bones is inside of uh, he rescues Temen and then the the ship falls from the 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 sky and destroys Mr Bones completely obliterating him. To be totally honest, I was surprised. I didn't think they were going to kill Mr Bones.
2: Me too. I was
0: and- and yet he's he's gone. He's completely out of it. Okay. Um, and and that's where you know the the empire starts to everything starts to wrap up at this point, right? Uh, there there's the the final the final battle at the at the observatory with Rax Tashu Brendel and Armitage. Right, they all they all arrive and they, they realize the empire has ended. A new one must begin. It's time to implement the um the contingency. And they start this chain reaction that's actually going to destroy the entire planet and crack it right down the, the center. Um,
1: uh, and there was our galaxy-destroying superweapon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a planet-destroying superweapon, excuse me.
0: Yeah. Um, fascinating here. Like, why would they want to destroy Jakku?
1: I think it was to erase evidence of the, uh, of the observatory.
2: But I why? Thought if it's... It, I thought it was to to wipe out the remnants of the empire, the New Republic fleet, uh, so that the First Order could come in and take oh, over. Oh, I see.
0: Could start, could start fresh. Yeah. Yes. But at that point, the Republic's going to take them out. Just <laughs> you don't need to kill them. <laughs> just just let the fight go on for a little bit longer, and it's going to be over.
2: Well, I think they they wanted to to cripple the Republic as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was also the intent.
2: Which is like that's, obviously oh, completely right. Ridiculous that he could foresee all this But whatever you know what Palpatine was pretty Pretty clever
0: <sighs> I mean he did say everything's proceeding as he has foreseen <laughs> um, But Rex, Rex pushes Youp to, to shoot down the pit uh, Into this this core killing him and, and that's when Sloane Arrives and they have this big final Moment uh, with Sloane Facing off against Rex while Brenton Tries to stop the destruction of the planet and um eventually though Brenton is he's he's shot and uh and and basically uh, shot and killed right again things not ending very well for yeah for uh for our our heroes uh, Nora ends up shooting Rax in the shoulder but she loses consciousness and um you know, Sloane is the one who has to kind of try to take out Rax. But uh you know, she doesn't really she doesn't doesn't succeed. Or does she?
1: Uh, I, was, I was like, I'm like, wait, who killed her then? Who killed Rax then? No, uh
0: no Rax Rax I mean she she doesn't succeed in that she doesn't end up taking out the Empire. Um uh, because instead uh, sloan takes the imperialis uh out of out of this out of the observatory and and flies off with uh hux and a select few people to kind of restart this empire that's why i'm very curious what happens to sloan right because um uh you know sloan was Nora wakes up and actually still finds sloan and they they fix the planet um, uh, but she decides not to, to, to kill her. And, it's, and Jass has, has to rescue Nora. Steven. It's
1: really interesting. So, so more than almost any other character, I think in the new canon, Sloan is very clearly someone they have a plan for. Mm-hmm. They She's been in multiple mediums. I guess she's only been calming in the book. I don't think she's been in a game yet. Um, but she goes. She we can track her from pre episode four to post episode six. We now know she's a found the founder in some ways of the first order. Uh, I wonder what their final plan for her is. Where we'll see that plan. Like, I wonder if she'll show up in episode eight potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I have our questions.
2: <laughs> Supreme leader.
1: Sloan. I was so part of me is wondering, like, you know, we know we haven't seen Snoke yet. Like, everything about Snoke is seems, you know, people talk about like maybe Slo- uh, Snoke is, you know, actually a really tiny guy because, you know That that's that's my theory. That's, that's
0: what I'm I'm sticking with. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh what if Snoke is Sloan and she chose to uh pretend to be you know, uh, an ancient Sith Lord in order to, you know, inspire and convert uh, Ben. I I don't think so. I, it doesn't feel like her style to me, but I like I can't rule it out. So I wouldn't be.
0: I wouldn't be surprised. Like I was not expecting Sloan to be as big of a character as she is. And at this point. I think she is going to have some sort of major influence on the beginning of the new Repu- uh, of the First Order. Yeah. Um, unless she's somehow taken out, in which case it'd be kind of a a shame. Yeah, to have her be such a big character and then she goes off in the End Regions and she's gone. Someone else takes over.
2: Yeah. She, totally. She's to be onto the Eclipse and was immediately shot dead.
0: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there's there's got to be something, some bigger thing at play.
2: I was expecting her to die in this book, um, mm-hmm. and I was kind of thrown by the fact that she, she's she gone as far as she has, so I hope there is a plan for her.
0: Yeah, likewise. Um, but yeah, they, they kind of wrap up the book fairly quickly uh, at that point, once yeah. uh, once they stop the the destruction of the planet. The Empire is, is quickly dissolved, and Massimate, as we said, signs a ceasefire agreement and surrenders all imperial officers are branded as war criminals NCOs are pardoned uh, as long as they obey the Galactic Concordance and um, while the Battle of Jakku rages on for months um, due to those forces refusing to surrender um, you know we we find out that uh, uh, that some still tried the the tractor beam trick and others just jumped into unknown space uh, most likely suicidally well, uh, But, we but know there are Imperial from, remnants.
1: Mm-hmm. I was going to say, we know from the chapter of the Bran with Sloan that the Imperialists sent out messages to loyal Imperials to join them in the right. unknown, unknown oh, regions. Right,
0: oh yeah, I almost forgot about that one. That one's a big piece. Mm-hmm. Calling so I, loyal Imperials.
1: I I, wonder, I assumed when they talk about ships jumping for the unknown regions, that's what they were talking about.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I'm uh yeah I'm curious to see where I want to know more about the the origins of the First Order itself out in the Under regions. What what well, goes on?
1: We know. So they talked about how uh, I think wasn't it in Rogue One? Not Rogue One. Wasn't it in Episode Seven? They talk about how the First Order is violating the uh, armaments. Uh, yes, but with, with the New Republic, like yeah. Right now, the New Republic doesn't even know about the First Order, like. When I want to know when does that happen? When do they become aware of it? When do they decide that, you know, they're violating the the treaty? Right. And...
0: When do they create that treaty?
1: Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it, what it, the way it sounded like to me is there. Sorry, at the time I assume the first order showed up pretty soon after the empire, like it just rebranded itself essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the tr- when they talk about the First Order breaking the treaty, they're talking about breaking the treaty they signed with the New Republic when the Empire was defeated, quote unquote. Uh, but that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Now it makes me think like they – was there like a mini war we're going to see like at some point? and And it, it's during that war at the end of it that this is signed? Like when?
0: That very well could be. Huh.
2: I don't know. Maybe. We know that they don't know about the first order as far as Bloodline, because that's where Leia kind of discovers everything. Right?
1: Uh, so I that's this is where my memory of Bloodline is very shaky. <laughs> Despite the fact that it was the one one of the books I enjoyed most out of the new canon, I don't really remember what happens in it.
2: A lot um, happens in it, I think. Yeah.
1: But yes, like I feel like that was kind of where the first order first starts to be discovered and dealt with. But yeah. I don't know. I, like we also know from episode seven that like Leia knows who Snoke is to some degree. Like she at least knows that Snoke is the one who, you know, corrupted Ben. Uh, so we still have to like get that story at some point too, which I'm sure is episode eight. But
0: mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's um, the one I really want to learn more about.
1: Yeah. Very curious.
0: So, uh, we do find out that Sloan agrees to keep, um, she agrees to keep Armitage safe from his father, which is an interesting dynamic there. He's, he's almost, uh, Hux is almost afraid of his dad and, uh, she forces him, his, his, Hux's dad, Brendel to obey her, uh, and teach his son everything he knows. Um, and and as you mentioned yeah they they sent the coordinates to all the other loyal ships and that's where they meet up with the eclipse deep in uncharted space and they have no idea who is on the eclipse and what is waiting for them
1: very interesting that they're using the eclipse as well yeah again a uh a ship with a lot of history yes Mm -hmm.
0: so i'm glad it's i'm glad it's still around and it's a cool it's a cool name for a ship too um yeah for the heroes, you know, Temen ends up uh burying Dad with one of Bones' arms. It's odd that he buries them together. Um I kinda Dengar kinda and Embo.
1: Was... Huh? I said I that one I actually kind of got. I was okay with
2: that.
0: Yeah. Uh Dengar, Embo, and um and everyone will receive full pardons. Um and, and Jass ends up forming a crew and running with them. Uh John Barrel, who we don't get a whole lot of in in this uh in this book uh, ends up dying off screen trying to save. I
1: I found it very weird given that he was a very prominent character in the first book and then kind of not as much in the second book and then barely in the third book. Yeah.
2: It's uh, I I forgot he was in the first book. I forgot about him. I, uh, when I read life debt, I thought he's a new character. Uh, And then I looked him up online and found that he was huge, but I did find his death kind of poignant here I was like oh the poor guy um, and I was surprised by how much that that struck me yeah For a yeah, character I too. once forgot existed
1: yeah <laughs> yeah it, and it then was he, one and he kind of, those, like, of dies
2: huh?
1: I was gonna say it's it's interesting for a character who's barely in the book I found his death to be the most uh, like I said poignant of all of them
2: mm-hmm. ah so it must have been how it was presented if we all felt similarly
1: yeah yeah um also for some reason whenever they talk about john burrell all in my head i just picture uh rex from rebels like that's how i imagine <laughs>
0: really <him>. and,
1: yeah <laughs> i'm not quite sure why it's imagine kind of like big guy maybe let himself go a little bit he's wearing pieces of armor and has kind of like you know that goatee mustache um i don't know why <laughs> anyway
0: <laughs> that's hilarious that's Whoa. hilarious uh, and then at the end, uh, Temin joins the flight academy on Corelia, where his mom Nora and Wedge Antilles will be teaching. Um, the one thing we didn't really talk about much in this, in this review, and wow, we are we are going long, is uh, is I just realized how we're now like three hours in, which is absurd. Uh, is Wedge Antilles? Um, they are Wedge Antilles is not really um, he's not really. Like he, he's not, as not nearly as prominent was. of a character as he was in the last few. And like, there was a big thing with him and Nora and they, that kind of disappeared in this one. And they're clearly a couple at the end of the book, although Nora won't admit it. Um, yeah. I just found that, that all kind of surprising that, that Wedge's presence in the book disappeared very, very
1: quickly. I'm okay with it because I didn't really like his presence in the previous
2: one. Well, I think uh, from that initial preview of Aftermath, I believe that uh, one of the initial previews uh, was about Wedge, and we knew that he was going to be a character. Mm -hmm. I think we all expected him to be a pretty big part of this series, Mm -hmm. and he wasn't.
0: I haven't been as big a fan of Wedge in the new canon so far. Um, And we found out in this one, he's basically just managing a hangar, right? Phantom Squadron was shut down because he was uh you know he he was behind closed doors reamed for his actions on Kashyyyk, even though he received a medal um yeah. and and so
1: he's not the wedge yeah. i knew
0: no he's not it makes sense but uh are we're, we're we're going very long i think we've covered this book in exhaustive detail so uh,
1: more detail than i expected us to, to yeah be likewise
0: likewise so uh i think we'll go into our ratings um and we'll start with uh, we'll start with Tom, actually, because while he could not make it, he sent us his review. Uh, and so is it his
1: review or is it Jar Jar's review?
0: It's up for debate. <laughs> okay. Just yeah. So, trying to make sure. So, according to Tom slash Jar Jar, uh, Tom is Jar Jar, by the way, in case you guys didn't know that, um, they're actually one and the same. Um tom tom said he wanted to give this book seven and a half stars he said he's not the biggest fan of wendig's writing style and he's kind of glad that the the trilogy is over um but uh i'm sure he i'm sure he enjoyed parts of this um even though he didn't say it in his review it's 7.5 so it's not all bad uh he he uh he said his seven and a half womp rats are therapy pets for jar jar because he could not handle the fall from grace and that was uh that had to that had to happen to him by the pen of chuck wendy or something um basically yeah his the seven and a half womp rats just keep georgia company and they're, they're therapy pets much like therapy ewoks hmm. sure um steven
1: uh so i think i'm just gonna i'm gonna have to give the book a six out of ten um i don't even know what i'm gonna do with my womp rats i think i'm just gonna fire them at the surface of jakku just because like in a uh, womp rat
0: cannon like a t-shirt cannon but with womp rats <laughs>
1: No, just like they were on board ships and they just kind of fell out and fell to Jakku. oh okay. um but it just I thought this was an okay book to finish off an okay series in a Canon that I'm just not super excited about right now. so mm. like it was decent um I it was I don't I feel like I might have enjoyed life Dead a little bit more um really but they, like yeah I this one or life dead they they were very close in my mind. Like, I enjoyed reading it, just like, I'm not ever going to read it again. Yeah. So I'll give it a 6 out of 10.
0: Okay. Um, <clears throat> Sean, you want to go next?
2: So, um, when Sloan gets onto the Eclipse, she is met by one of the Sentinels. What she doesn't know is that the Sentinel, this Sentinel, and all the Sentinels are in fact controlled by Womp <laughs> and inside the one on the Eclipse there are eight little womp rats subtly setting up the first order and that will reflect my score for this book and I thought it was great um like not super it obviously has its flaws um but I didn't rave about Rex enough but I thought he was a really interesting villain and I think he carried it um I think there have been a lot of interesting Imperials in the new canon um I'll agree with that for sure. I'm quite enjoying them. Uh, as long as they're yeah. interesting Imperials, I'm pretty happy. And Rax had a red cape, which always helps for me. <laughs> nice.
0: Well, um, so I um, I enjoyed the book as well. Again, not perfect, but I, I my favorite moments are the, the interludes and the little bits of detail we get about the state of the galaxy. That's what I'm really looking forward to for right now uh i still never quite grew attached to you know nora and everyone else i cared about them more in this book than the last two and i think that's due to spending time with them uh now but um i uh you know it's it was still an enjoyable uh enjoyable book and i like a lot of the things that they're setting up uh a few other real quick notes um I don't know if you guys were surprised. One of the chapters, part of one of the chapters, is actually from the perspective of a mouse, which oh, um, I
1: that.
0: Yeah, which was kind of surprising. Not a mouse droid, a, an actual like mouse. Um, mouse. And we can add uh, brandy to the and rum to the list of real world drinks um, that uh, Mon Mothma has in in Star Wars. Um, but yeah, overall uh, interludes were great. I liked seeing Jar Jar. And, um, so I think I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it seven and a half, uh, Womp Rats as well. Um, again, uh, you know, very, still very enjoyable overall. And my Womp Rats are, um, you know, you always wonder like, how was the observatory actually tracking, mapping the unknown regions? Well, it was actually shooting Womp Rats out into space. And these Womp Rats are flying uh, around the end the regions, mapping it and coming back. And sense. Womp Rats are disposable. So, you know, if they die, it's not the end of the world. They just shoot a new Womp Rat. Um, they're kind of like the uh, the probe droids from Rebels, um, but Womp Rats. With that, coming up on the next episode of Ion Cannon tomorrow, uh, we have Double Agent Droid, our review of Rebels Season 3, Episode 19. Uh, in this episode, Chopper and AP-5 team up to infiltrate an Imperial Station to steal needed weapons codes but imperial specialist turns the droids against the crew to cause chaos this is a comedic thriller with chopper ap5 five, five and wedge as uh you know we were just talking about wedge and in, in this um uh, in our review of at uh, empire's end but yes wedge is in rebels as well so uh wow i Sean, thank you so much for coming on this massive episode. I had no idea this was going to take this long to record, so thanks for your patience and and joining us for this long.
2: My real life has collapsed in my absence, so... (laughs) (laughs) No, No, I I kid. Um, (laughs) uh, And I I didn't get to mention this before, but I did an email Q&A with Chuck Wendig about this novel, and it goes live tomorrow morning on the New York Daily News website
0: awesome oh, cool. that's fantastic i cannot wait to to read that
2: yes um some cool answers that's... but yeah
0: I, yeah any any anything you want to tease people with any fun uh fun tidbits
2: well he makes direct reference to um the dedication we all love oh, oh okay Lucas.
1: got it yeah yeah go yeah. to luke spark
0: yeah did you ask him can you can you can you ask him about luke spark for us i'm, I'm pretty sure that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the thing Just just ask when are we getting our luke
1: spark standalone novel
0: (laughs) it's actually luke spark a star wars story yeah thank you Uh,
2: maybe maybe i already asked him about that excellent yeah
0: well we'll find out tomorrow uh as you said i was actually going to ask you to uh to plug it with yeah as you said you're you're with the new york daily news and sorry uh yeah and is there anything else you want to plug, like your uh, yeah, any other articles or things on your, your, where people can find you on on Twitter and whatnot? Oh,
2: yes. Uh, so on Twitter, I am at Spectacular Sean, and I recap rebels each week and review as many of the novels as I possibly can. Uh, yes.
0: And you so, do a you do a great job. So. Thank you very much. Yeah. <clears throat> So thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll and be back awesome. soon with another episode, for those of you who managed to make it through the entire thing. <laughs> yeah.
2: Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spin-off films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncannoncast.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in touch with us by emailing contact at IonCanonCast.com. The Ion Cannon podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans for fans and is copyright 2016.